Just got a, a couple of quick reflections to go through this evening. Don't worry, I'm not about to start a full-blown sermon. Preparing for this evening, I wanted the focus to be on, on praise and on worship and on prayer. Partly because that's the title that I was given, but also because sometimes we don't spend enough time on those things. But I've been reading Ephesians recently, and I love this passage from Ephesians. So we're just going to briefly consider the implications of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Now I've got to start by saying um, this speaks a lot about building, and it speaks a bit about architecture. And a few weeks ago at South Green, and I think here as well, um, we, we studied um, in Matthew 7 the passage of uh, the wise and foolish builder. And I felt like a bit of a fraud, because if I'm honest, um, if I was to identify with somebody in that parable, I would be the mug that simply looked at the, at the stand and said, I'm going to take the easy option, I'm going to build a house there and deal with the consequences later. I would have been the one left staring at the pile of rubble after the storm. Because, you see, I'm not any sort of builder. My brother is currently um, building his own extension on his house. It's sort of an L shape around two sides of his house, and it's magnificent. And he gets really excited about, about different mixes of sand and cement and different types of brick and lengths of pipe and... Honestly, it's, it, his house is like a Meccano set at the moment. I come out in a cold sweat when somebody buys Timothy a, a, a basic Lego model because I know that I'm going to be expected in front of the person who's just given it to him to open it and proceed to build it. And I am hopeless, absolutely hopeless. So let's just read this passage and then reflect on what we can learn even for those of us who are utterly ignorant when it comes to building. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now as I say I know nothing about building and I've we sort of we throw around the word cornerstone quite a lot don't we and I I sort of I had this vague image um, the, the idea I had was that, and I, thinking of the name of it now, it makes no sense, but I thought that it was the stone, when you build an archway, um, the stone that sort of slots in the middle, it's sort of that shape, and it locks everything in. That's the key. You see, Katie knows much more about construction than I do. That's the keystone. I thought it was a cornerstone, and it's only when I was, I was preparing this week, and I suddenly thought, it's not in a corner. How can that be a cornerstone? It, it's, a, it's an arch, it's circular. By its, by its very nature, it cannot have a corner. And so, I just did a quick Google search, there's nothing particularly theological about it, and found a definition of what the cornerstone was. And it says, until the development of modern construction, the stone was usually at a corner. It kind of figures, doesn't it, when you think about it. 
possibly as the first of the foundation stones, and it was a real support. The modern cornerstone need not actually support, need not be positioned at a corner, and need not be part of the foundation. Often it's placed ornamentally in a facade or in an interior wall or floor. But you see, originally, in a, originally um, when, when Paul was writing the cornerstone, it would, have been, it would have been one of the foundation stones. And actually, it was, it was a stone that was set, the, the sort of the first stone set, and from that, the line of each, um, each side of the building was, uh, was derived. And so, it was a pretty important, I almost said a pretty key stone, but it's not the key stone, that's the one in the archway. It's a pretty important stone. And so what Paul's saying is that, is that Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is, is the first stone that is laid of the building. There are other references to cornerstones, of course. We read in, in Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So when we think of, think of Jesus... Jesus being, being the stone that, that the builders, i.e. The, the Pharisees at the time, rejected. Jesus was rejected by them. He, he has become the cornerstone. So Paul's saying that we now recognise that, that Jesus, Jesus is the, the foundation, the most important part of our faith. He's the one that, that links the old to the new. In Isaiah, see... So, so this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And so, and so Jesus is the stone that God himself lays in place. A tested stone. Jesus was certainly tested throughout his life and he continues to be tested today. A precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And as we, as we thought back earlier to what it was that, that first drove us to make a commitment to Christ, we can, we can each, I'm sure, attest to Jesus being a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And then we have this, this great statement, the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. So when we're in situations where everyone around us is, is losing their cool and, and flying off the handle, we should be the ones that stay calm. It's not always easy, of course, and some of us you know, just say, oh, well, by my nature, I'm a panicky person. Not if you've got Christ with you, because we don't rely on our own nature, we rely on Christ. So just going back to the passage in Ephesians, what can we take away this evening? Well, first of all, the foundation spoken of. We're told that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. You see, sometimes it can be we can misinterpret scripture a bit and we can say we don't need to worry about the Old Testament. We don't need to worry about everything that went before Jesus because Jesus was the new covenant. Jesus changed everything. But actually what Jesus did was, was build upon the foundation that had been laid by the apostles and prophets. You see, the cornerstone is the first stone that is set on the foundation. And from that, the lines of the building are taken. And so it is, it is a very, it is 
the sort of the most important stone that is laid in the structure of the building, but it's not necessarily the foundation. It, it is built upon a foundation. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You could say, well, in a typical building, you probably have stones in all four corners. Okay, fair enough, but Jesus is the first one. You see, we, we, we need to learn, we need to have the foundation built upon, upon the prophets of the Old Testament and, and the stories that we read, going right back to creation. We should have a, have a knowledge of that, but then Jesus builds on that. Jesus develops and helps us to build our faith up and up and up. Jesus links the old with the new. But of course, as, as we read, this building is still in construction. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. And in him, you too are being built. You see, I'll just state the obvious here. Paul's not talking about an actual building. Paul's talking about you and I. Paul's talking about how we build our faith inside us and how God builds us from the inside. We are still under construction. Whether we've just made a commitment to Christ this week or whether it was 50 years ago, we are still under construction. And finally, in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built individually and corporately as a church in which God dwells by his spirit. This is why it's so important that we, that we make sure that we practice the love that was, that was spoken about earlier on in the service, that we, that we treat each other with, with Christian love and that we remember the, the, the commandments that Jesus gave us to love one another as ourselves. Love God with all your heart. Love each other. So often we can get that wrong, even in church. So often we can, we can just have a, have a loose tongue. And it's not good. It's not healthy. If Jesus is our cornerstone, if Jesus is the one that we build upon, then we shouldn't. We shouldn't be having loose words with each other. We shouldn't be, be bickering. Instead, we should be a body of people that, that, that reflect the glory of Christ in all, all ways. You see, it struck me with that architecture, architecture quote that we went back to. If we were to give that to Paul and say, what do you make of this? He would he'd probably amend it slightly and put it into, into church talk. He'd pick up on his own metaphor. And it might read something like this. Until the development of the modern church, Jesus was usually at a corner, possibly as the first of the foundation stones and was a real support. The modern Jesus need not actually support, need not be positioned at a corner and need not be part of the foundation. Often, he's placed ornamentally in the facade or an interior wall or floor. So how do we treat Jesus? How do we treat our cornerstone? Is, it, is, it simply, is he simply a, a name that we band around? Is he simply um, a sort of a memorial stone, which is all very nice, and that, that shows a bit of respect, but actually doesn't mean anything. The building doesn't rely on it, it doesn't provide support. 
Or is Jesus actually fundamental in all that we do, linking the teachings of the Old Testament to, to, to Pentecost and a receiving of the Holy Spirit? Jesus is key in everything that we do. Jesus is key. And so, let's just remind ourselves that we are the temple that God is building. God no longer gives us building instructions to go out and get, get a certain amount of wood and a certain amount of gold and to build an altar and to build a temple and... He's not into that. Instead, he says, go out and get people. Any shape, any size, any colour, any age, doesn't matter. Just get people. That's what I'm building now. That's what I'm into. That's what I want. So what? So first of all, let's just be reminded this evening that we should love our temples. We're told that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so we should try and recapture the the reverence with which the temple is treated in the Old Testament. And we should apply that to ourselves. We should respect ourselves, love ourselves, be proud of ourselves. Make sure that when we present ourselves to others, in any situation, we always present our best because we are representing God, because God dwells within us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. God has chosen us to live inside us. That is such a privilege. And yet, sometimes we can just forget that. We can forget what it is that dwells inside us, who it is that we're representing. Love your temple. Secondly, support other temples. When we see, when we see other temples, other, other, other believers around us who are struggling Maybe we think that they're subsiding a bit. Maybe we think that that they're not relying on on their cornerstone. Support them with love, with prayer, and in practical needs, if appropriate. Support other temples, support other Christians, each other. Because if God values other people enough to put his Holy Spirit inside them, then surely we should show the same love as well. Plan for new temples to be built. Thankfully, we don't have to apply to God for planning permission when we're going out trying to evangelise and and, and convert people. He says, you've got my permission. Go do it anywhere that you you want to plant a temple. And the great thing is that in each and every person that we come into contact with who doesn't yet know Christ, God's granted planning permission for us to go and build a temple there. Now, I know that makes it sound a lot easier than it actually is in reality. But if we show them that love, if we, if we share with them our practical Christian faith and they see what it means to us, if we're proud of our faith, then maybe, just maybe, we'll water the seed that God's put inside them and they will recognise their own temple inside their own hearts. So we don't always have to go in with the construction team and try and force the issue. Instead, we can just kind of give them a little bit of a self-help manual. Because you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at who suddenly gets an interest in, in internal DIY. Finally, ensure that every temple is constructed from the cornerstone. That we don't simply treat Jesus like a facade, something which is 
Little more than a relic that is nice to have on the walls because we're a church and that's what churches do. But instead, a living and active member of our church, our cornerstone, the thing that we, that we take our strength from, the thing that we rely on, the thing that we turn to, the thing that we, we are supported by. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So whether we're Bob the Builder or Tom Madders, I couldn't think of a, a worse builder, so I thought I'd put my own name in there. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Because we don't rely on our own abilities and skills. We rely on God. And he will use us if we just give him that chance. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Let's not lose sight. With all the distractions and rubbish that goes on in the world, all the bad news and the negative headlines, let's not lose sight that we are temples that God chooses for his spirit to dwell in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this image that you've given us, this this metaphor that you sent your son not to be some sort of facade not just to be another brick in the wall, but instead to be the brick, to be the stone, to be the most important part of the structure of your temple. And Father, thank you that we can read that our bodies, one another, are temples of the Holy Spirit. Inside us, you have put sacred ground. You have blessed each and every one of us. And Lord, we pray that you will empower us to go out and to share that good news, that hope, that eternity with everyone and anyone that we meet. Lord, prompt us, give us the confidence to speak openly and freely and boldly with pride about our faith in you, about our saviour, about the one who loved us so much that he chose to go for that cross, to be crucified, but then to rise again in glorious victory, a victory which still echoes today. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of counting ourselves amongst your people. And we pray you'll help us to add to that number daily. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.